Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, Mining Community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the Mining Podcast. And today's guest is Luke Knight, who's the CEO of Central Copper Resources, um, a copper exploration and development company uh, with significant high prospect land holding in Central uh, Africa copper belts with two assets in the DRC uh, and the other in Zambia. Um, and all three projects have significant high-grade resource potential. Um, Luke, has over, Luke has over 25 years' experience in the industry, uh, managing exploration and development projects in various countries, uh, including Africa and South America. Um, more recently, he, he's a, uh, he became a director of Amid Funds um, and focused on their investments in the middle commodity space across Africa um, and was responsible for a portfolio monitoring um, before taking the helm of Central Copper. Um, he's here today to give us an overview of, of his journey, uh, talk about Central Copper, um, and developing their copper assets. Uh, and he's going to give us an overview of the company and what the future holds for them. So that's welcome, Luke, to the podcast. How you doing, Luke? Yeah, pretty good, mate. Uh, thanks for having me, Rob. It's it's very good to be on the podcast. I know you're busy at the moment. And thanks for giving me your time. Uh, appreciate your time as well. I know you're also busy. Um, we're heading off to uh, uh, mining Darba and the one-to-one in Cape Town. So I uh, appreciate you... Uh, taking the time to uh, have a chat with me before before you head off. So for, for those that don't know you, and I'm sure quite a lot of our audience will already know you, but for those that don't, just wanted to just tell us a little bit about your career, about your background uh, before we uh, start talking about Central Copper. Yeah, no problem, Rob. I've, I've been involved in the industry for sort of 25 years now, as you said. Um, although I'm talking to you from Perth uh, in Western Australia at the moment, Africa is in my blood. I spent 18 years of my adult life living in South Africa uh, in two different stints. Uh, I started out in the exploration and mining industry uh, back in the late 90s. Uh, that was in projects in South Africa, involved in diamonds uh, with a couple of entrepreneurs. Uh, then I branched out a little bit to Sierra Leone. Uh, that was between coups and that was a very exciting time. We had... Uh, uh, alluvial uh, diamond projects uh, in Sierra Leone, uh, cut my teeth up there, moved to, moved over to Argentina, actually looking at gold projects for a period of time through an investment company, uh, moved back to South Africa, uh, early 2000s, started a company called Platmin with uh, two, under, two other mining entrepreneurs, Rudolph DeBrain and, and David Twist, serial mining entrepreneurs, those two gentlemen. Um, it was during a very interesting time in South Africa where uh, the mineral rights uh, were being handed back or taken back by the state. And there was a, a very interesting period there where the use it or lose it principle was in, in, in place. And uh, there was a great opportunity in South Africa to pick up mineral rights that had been held by uh, large South African companies, in some cases for up to 100 years. So it was quite an exciting process. We were, we were focused on, on, on the platinum exploration industry. The price was working well with us at the time. Uh, Platmin, uh, although an offshore company, um, I invested in several projects in South Africa, and we raised a considerable amount of money over five or six years. Uh, three very good projects. Uh, one of them uh, is now called Cetabello Platinum Mines. It was put into production. Uh, I actually was chief operating officer of the local subsidiary, so I ran everything uh, in country 
uh, throughout the exploration project uh, process and and through the feasibility study. Uh, in 2006, I actually sold out, bought out by Lonmin Platman, company that no longer exists, unfortunately, but quite a big player in the platinum industry back then. Um, uh, and I actually took a bit of time off, um, took about six or seven years off, managed my own uh, a portfolio of uh, mineral investments during that time. Of course, retirement at a young age is not everything it's uh, set out to be. Uh, you've got to exercise your mind. And I was actually pulled back into the game in a full-time capacity in 2014. Uh, and that was with AMED Funds uh, initially uh, out of their London office. AMED Funds is a private equity fund with about $500 million under management specifically domiciled for investment in mineral and exploration projects in Africa. I was responsible for monitoring their portfolio of investments. Uh, there was about uh, 12 to 14 of those investments uh, over time. Um, and I was there for about eight years. I actually moved over to Central Copper Resources uh, in 2021 uh, and took over as CEO. That's a little right. bit of a history. Yeah, no, that's good. So I wonder if, uh, again, if you can tell us a little bit about Central Copper Resources, uh, again, for those that... Uh, uh, don't know much about the company and how how it was uh, formed and how it sort of developed. Yeah, sure. I mean, there, there's not a lot of information in the public domain because we're private. And most exploration companies are in the listed space. So, uh, and and Central Copper has been private since originally being formed in 2021. Uh, about 30 million dollars has been invested in those projects. But probably a logical place to start is to take a step back. Uh, my largest shareholder is Amed Funds. They sit with about 45 percent of Central Copper resources. Now, AMED funds, as I said, is specifically domiciled for investment in, in mineral projects in Africa. Now, you wouldn't be much of a, a private equity fund with that mandate, not have copper in your portfolio. Um, so we teed up with an exceptional exploration team, uh, Ross McGowan and Tom Rogers, about eight years ago uh, with a specific mandate to search for copper projects in Africa. Now, if you're looking for copper projects in Africa, you want to be in elephant country and elephant country for copper is Zambia uh, and DRC in the Central African Copper Belts. Um, so that was our focus. We probably looked at 200 projects um, throughout that time period. Uh, we selected three to invest in AMED funds, invested in those projects independently. Um, and as I said, spent about $30 million on them uh, via those investments. Uh, I was the driving force to consolidate those assets uh, into one company uh, and that's Central Copper Resources. And as I said, I... I took over as CEO of Central Copper uh, in August 2021. So whilst I've only been the CEO for a couple of years, I was intimately involved in all three projects as the monitoring officer for AMED funds since their inception and throughout the investment cycle. So a long history with all, all three projects. Yeah. Uh, before we talk about the projects, I just wonder if you can just tell us about uh, some of the key management and the board. Yeah, uh, we've put quite a good team together. Um, obviously, we're an exploration company and um, you need to have a very good technical team. So we've got a technical advisory board. Uh, Dr. David Twist, a PhD geologist, is on that advisory board, founding partner of AMED Funds. Uh, we've also got Ross McGowan, uh, also a PhD geologist, very well known in the Central Copper Belt. I think everybody knows him. Uh, and his partner, Ross McGowan, also a technical... Uh, sorry, Tom Rogers, also a technical advisor. Those two gentlemen actually won the PDAC award or shared the PDAC award in 2015 for the discovery of Ivanhoe's Kamoa Kakula. Um, so certainly very good track record in making good discoveries. Um, my head of exploration is, is Lawrence Jordan, uh, specialises in exploration in, in hard to get to areas. Uh, more recently worked for Elfman in North Kivu. So I uh, certainly understands the DRC very well. 
He started with me last year. So uh, we've also got Dion van der Mesh. Dion van der Mesh, people in the industry would know quite well, worked for Glencore, uh, mining engineer by trade, a long history uh, of assisting and putting mines into production and turning them around uh, in Africa. Uh, uh, good examples of Mapani, who was the CEO of DRD Gold, uh, and also worked in Cobar for Glencore, turning around those copper operations in Australia. Uh, Dion's there to assist us with our feasibility study on our flagship project as well. So really good technical team. Um, our board of directors, uh, our shareholders representatives at this point in time, Sir Rudolph DeBrain and David Twist, Dion van der Mesh, Ross McGowan, and also Jeremy Crozier, who represents Silvercorp, one of our shareholders. And, and of course, I'm the CEO and on the board of directors as well. Yeah. Um, obviously, we you've got three projects, uh, two in the DRC. So we're, let's have a, a chat about the, the projects in the DRC and obviously start with your uh, flagship project, uh, West Coral Overland um, project, which um, wonder if you could just tell us what the, the current status of that project is um, and what the plans are moving forward. Yeah, no problem. It's a very exciting project for us. It's not in the traditional copper belt. Um, so it's it's actually southwest of Kinshasa uh, in a copper belt. We call it the West Congolian copper belt, actually. So it's not the traditional copper belt that you've got in Zambia uh, and southern DRC. Um, the project itself was first discovered by the Belgians back in the 1950s. They actually drilled it, did 15,000 metres of drilling, uh, and it was a high-grade copper deposit uh, on a sedimentary-hosted uh, breccia uh, zone. Uh, we discovered that information. Um, there was a local partner uh, who who had that deposit, uh, and we entered into an option and earning agreement with them. Uh, we exercised that option uh, over that deposit uh, in 2017, and we're now in a joint venture with our local partner over that project area. Now, it's quite interesting because the, the existing deposit that we've got, uh, we've done, look, 25,000 metres of drilling, so we understand the geology very well. There's over 184, 185 boreholes into the deposit. Um, it's it's a high-grade deposit, so um, we've got about 11.8 million tonnes uh, and an average grade of 3.1% copper. Um, it's between about 100 and sort of 200 metres on, under the ground on average. So whilst we can't open pit it, uh, we'll be shallow underground mining via at it. Um, what's very intriguing about our deposit uh, at Imbamba Kalenda um, is the exceptional high-grade core. So on that a triple junction fault structure, uh, about 40% of the deposit is in excess of 18% copper. So that's sort of a sort of an un, near unheard of uh, sort of copper grade. So quite nice for us. Uh, we did complete a PFS over that project area in 2020. And I call it a desktop PFS because it was more done for us internally to get an understanding of the efficacy of mining that existing deposit. Um, the financial metrics were really good. Uh, we were very happy uh, with, with what we got uh, during that PFS. What was even more interesting to us is because of that exceptional high-grade core, we've actually got the opportunity there of using uh, assorting mechanisms uh, like XRF or XRT to produce a direct shipping ore. Now, most of those sorting mechanisms are used to upgrade your ore before you process, uh, and our PFS was done with a traditional mill and float circuit in it. So it ended up with $227 million of CapEx, and although it had good financial returns, um, if you didn't have to put a mill and float plan in and you could produce a direct shipping ore, uh, you could reduce your capex considerably. You also fast track um, uh, your lead time to production and cash flow. Um, and we're looking at that at the moment over that existing deposit. So we've got quite a lot of work planned there over the next sort of six to 12 months where we'll be doing metallurgical drilling, getting a sample, 
so that we can run it through the XRF and XRT sorting machines. Um, although we have already undertook work for a, with a consultancy uh, in South Africa, Rados, uh, they specialize in XRF scanning your core, but they also produce, provide the XRF um, sorting machines as well. Uh, and what we've discovered through that process, although they're not physically validated at this point in time, is we, we can produce a direct shipping ore in excess of 20% copper. We can recover about 78% of our copper. The other 22% goes to a stockpile, sits at surface already mined, uh, and that stockpile sitting at about 2.1% copper. Um, so quite exciting for us. So we're endeavouring to complete the metallurgical, geotechnical and hydrological test work um, for mining over that deposit um, and looking at fast-tracking that to production and cash flow over the next 18 months. Now, that's one half of the Western Congolian project. What we've actually got there um, is two halves, if you could imagine. And then we've got an exploration uh, side to that project as well. Um, uh, the mineralization is is structurally determined via this uh, fault structure. And I was actually out on site in 2016 and a, a crusty old Congolese geologist told me that that fault structure ran for another 85 k's. Well, that was interesting to me. So I told them to stop drilling and go get me the rest. Now, it took us a long time to put that portfolio together. We flew airborne geophysics in 2017 and we picked up the fault structure for, lo and behold, 85 kilometres of strike. Uh, and then we secured all of those permits. So we've got an existing exploitation right over our flagship deposit um, that was awarded in 2022. And then we've got 12 exploration rights following the fault structure that determines our mineralization for 85 kilometers of strike. So very exciting exploration area as well. Um, there's a lot of showings throughout that area historically for, for copper, uh, lead and vanadium as well, actually. Um, as an example, about 80 kilometers away from the existing deposit, on the same fault structure is a high-grade lead and vanadium deposit. Um, it was actually drilled, it was mined, adits were put in back in the 1950s again. Uh, so a long time ago, about two and a half thousand tons of metal was mined and it had a vanadium grade between four and 7%. Now I've never heard of four to 7% vanadium. Um, so quite exciting for us, we know where it's located. And as part of our next exploration programs, we'll send out some drill rigs and uh, we'll start drilling that out as well. So very exciting. and a regional exploration play uh, underpinned by the value of that existing deposit that we're fast-tracking to production. Um, let's move on to your uh, second project, uh, KI. Uh, it's certainly obviously in an interesting uh, place and location, uh, being uh, adjacent to Ivanhoe's Komoda uh, Kalula. Um, just wanting you to just tell us a little bit more about that particular project. Yeah, very, very interesting place. I think uh, everybody has uh, heard Robert Friedland get up at conferences and talk about the Western Forelands. So the KO project is located in the Western Foreland. It is adjacent to Ivanhoe's Kamoa Kukula, as in the mining lease area. Uh, they also have a very extensive exploration area outside of their mining lease area. I think we're pretty much surrounded um, about 80% by their exploration areas as well. Obviously, been a lot of announcements recently of new discoveries by Ivanhoe, which is great news. Um, and I know Robert's got up a few times and he's talked about there being the potential for 10 to 12 more Kamoa Kukulas out in that area. Um, that'd be fantastic. If there was, I'd be happy with just one more, obviously. Uh, as I mentioned before, um, Ross McGowan and Tom Rogers uh, shared the PDAC Award for Discovery of Ivanos Kamoa Kukula, so they do understand the geology very well. They were involved in extensive drilling programs out there. So we've got the right team to try and develop this project. Uh, we've spent about $5 million on exploration to date, and whilst 
We haven't had a mineralized intersection on the deposit. We have proved geological continuity with Kamoa Kakula, which is great. It's a large lease area, so it does need to be hit with a big stick. Um, look, we've done soil geochem out there. We've done, you know, uh, you know, seven, 8,000 metres of drilling. We've flown airborne geophysics. Uh, late last year, we completed a, an AMT survey over the property as well. That completed in December. We use South African contractors for that. So uh, unfortunately, they all went off on holidays. Uh, we'll get the results in the next couple of weeks. But that looks quite exciting. And and what that will do for us is, is help us with our next drilling program. So we've got two targets on the property. One we call KA North, which is adjacent to Kamoa Kakula. Um, we have drilled quite a few holes there in the past. And we've got a particular target there, which is quite exciting for us. Stratigraphy matches what we see in press releases for Kamal Kakula. Um, and we did collar that hole, which deviated, unfortunately, into showing the lead zinc mineralization, which is quite exciting for us because uh, Kamal Kakula, the lead and the zinc is first. And then underneath that, with the fluid, the way the fluids deposit, you then, uh, you then got the copper. So we'll twin that hole, uh, look to drill it straight this time, uh, and hopefully look for our, our first discovery uh, uh, on that project and the next dry season in DRC. Then we've got the southern section of the license, which we call the Labuti Trend. It's it's actually on the domain boundary. We're looking for a target called the Redox Zone, uh, where we hope uh, we we we'd have some nice trap copper mineralization down there. We'll probably do some infill lines on AMT once we review those results. But we'll look at uh, initial drilling out in that region as well uh, in the next dry season. Um, so yeah, very exciting project for us. Um, certainly the full. Um, uh, it's it's what you call blue sky in the mining industry. I don't think you get any better blue sky than that. If we do have a discovery, uh, it will obviously propel central copper resources and our value uh, quite dramatically. So a very exciting project for us uh, where we hope to have that first discovery uh, in the course of the year. Yeah. Uh, before we talk about your projects in Zambia, I suppose I just want to cover the DRC. Um, and I suppose... I suppose those that are listening out there that may have never worked in Africa or not even worked in the DRC, I just wanted to just give us an overview of what it is like mining in the DRC. Um, obviously, there's difficulties, there's challenges. Um, I just wanted what your experience and your thoughts are around mining in the DRC with obviously local, local stakeholders, um, governments, um, and obviously the government, uh, the mining legislation. Etc. I just wonder what your thoughts are, having obviously been working in the uh, in in the country for for some years. Yeah, I think I think it can be a scary place for a lot of people um, because they don't have the level of experience I and my team have uh, working in the DRC. I think I think for people that have worked there for many years, you get to understand the place. Um, you know, it's got its own idiosyncrasies. Um, it's very important in the DRC that. Um, you abide by regulations, government regulations in respect to your mining rights, your exploration rights, you lodge your reporting in good time um, and those sorts of things. You dot the I's and cross the T's. I think that's very important. I think for a lot of people, there's a misconception when you invest in Africa um, that you can cut corners. Um, and in reality, the converse is actually true. Uh, you can't afford to cut corners. Um, you know, in, in Africa, if you cut corners, it'll come and bite you later. Um, so for us, you know, we run a very tight ship. We abide by all the regulations. Um, we're very experienced in working in the DRC and we've, we've had limited problems, um, you know, throughout uh, the last few years in the DRC. You know, all of our rights have been awarded uh, in good measure. Uh, they're all in good standing. So for us, 
Um, whilst it can be a challenging environment to operate in, um, we've had limited problems. And I think that's just the experience of, of both myself and the team in, in working in those sorts of domiciles in Africa. Um, obviously, logistics can be an issue. Um, as we all know, Africa is, is not as developed as other places. Um, but, you know, you, that, that's something that you need to understand. And, you know, nobody's going to build that infrastructure for you. you it's, it's part of the process when you want to develop those minerals uh, in places like Africa. So, you know, for us in the DRC, particularly our flagship project, we're actually blessed with the logistical advantages, which is fantastic. Uh, I'm southwest of Kinshasa. Project area straddles the RN1 highway, uh, which is the single best road in the country between Kinshasa and the only the only port, uh, the Matadi River port, which is a modern containerized port. So for us, we don't have those logistical challenges, but that's something that you would have in most other places in the DRC, and that's something you've got to be aware of. Of course, that's mitigated by the high grade nature of a lot of the deposits that you have in the DRC. Um, you know, if, if the grade is high, you can usually uh, you know sort out most of the issues that you might have, including with uh, logistics and infrastructure challenges. So. For us, um, you know, it was very pleasing recently. Uh, President Chesaketti uh, has been re-elected. Uh, looked to be a bit of a landslide, about 72%. Obviously, the previous election was a lot closer. Um, and, uh, you know, that that's good for us and it's good for foreign investment because you've got stability. He'll have another five-year term. And he's looking at developing uh, the mineral industry in DRC, which is important. So what we're looking for from the DRC is consistency in regulation. I think that's very important. Uh, it's probably worth noting they have just increased the the, the lease fees uh, on short notice in December last year. And, you know, we'd hope that would be the last increase because, you know, for any mining company or exploration company, you want consistency and regulation. That's what's important. You don't want the goalpost moved on a regular basis. Uh, DRC in, in introduced a new mining act in 2018, um, you know, and we'd like to see that continue, um, you know, and, and the terms uh, for long-term investment stay the same. So uh, that, that's what's important to us as, as investors moving forward, I guess, uh, developing projects in DRC. Yeah. Um, if, uh, if a mining company was looking to, to go into the DRC, um, is there any advice that you would, that you would give them that, that may be different to go and invest in other parts of Africa? Yeah, look, you've, you've got to tread carefully um, and you've got to understand the local conditions, okay? It, it's very difficult to just, you know, go in and have a meeting and, and you know, and start looking for a project. Um, yeah, a good, solid local partner um, would be important, um, you know, and, and they'll assist you with uh, the local idiosyncrasies that you have in the DRC. So I think that's, that's probably an initial uh, first piece of advice I'd get. You need to put a good team together. You need to put a team together that's got experience in working in those domiciles. Otherwise, everything is going to cost you much more. You know, that that goes without saying. Um, and everybody says it's very expensive to work in the DRC. Well, it is if you throw your money around and you don't put the right team together. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's not a wealthy country. Um, so people are there. Um, and there are people that will take advantage of, of people that are naive. Uh, when they move into the country. So getting a good local partner is probably the best bet. Um, the easiest thing would be to invest in companies that already have good teams uh, and have good projects like CCR. Um, you know, that would be my advice. Uh, invest in a company like CCR that's already done the hard yards, um, you know, put the team together uh, and have good projects and that are looking at developing them. So let's uh, move on to the projects in Zambia. And I just wondered uh, what the... Uh... Um, current environment is like with, with your project there and what's your what's your target 
Yeah, we're looking for a near surface oxide resource there, actually. And I'm going to give full disclosure here. When you've got two projects in the DRC, you're looking for something to diversify risk for investors out of the DRC. And uh, Ross McGowan and Tom Rogers were interested in this project area for a while, but it's grassroots. Um, it's in a known base metal zone. Um, you know, First Quantum's busy there at the moment. The Arc Mineral Ango JV's in the area. Uh, quite a few people are active. Um, so it was a very interesting area for us, but it was grassroots exploration. Um, uh, interestingly enough, we jumped in there, you know, looking for a near surface oxide resource, you know, something small that we can get into production as quickly as possible. That was the principle of why we secured the project area. We jumped in and did a soil geochem survey in 2021. And it's not just a diversification of risk anymore. It's actually a very exciting project. We've got about four anomalies on the, on the, uh, on the project area. Um, they're showing about 20 times background for copper, and that's exactly what you want when you're looking for a near-surface oxide resource. So got quite excited by that. Uh, there's a lot of excitement in the project from a JV perspective as well. Um, quite a few of the majors approached me to JV that. It's in Zambia. Uh, they like the project. They like the size of the project area. So an exciting project. I'm not interested in JVing it because from a risk versus return perspective, we need to do the next round of work ourselves. We've got some very good soil geochem anomalies. We did an airborne gravity and aeromagnetic survey uh, in December last year. We completed that. What we're looking at doing there is matching geophysical anomalies with the near surface uh, or the soil geochem anomalies, um, you know, to help input into a drilling program. Again, looking for first discovery in the next dry season. So um, we'll either use a combination of air core drilling uh, followed by RC and diamond drilling, or we might go straight to RC drilling once we've reviewed that geophysics. So again, very exciting project. We've done the, the early exploration, uh, the geophysics, the soil geochem, and now it's time to drill. And, and we've certainly got targets to drill at the moment. So it's past those first two steps with flying colours. Uh, and now we'll be looking for a discovery. Uh, interestingly enough, just next door to our project area is the Chufumpa mine, which is a high-grade near-surface oxide resource held uh, by private hands. It's sitting at about 4.17% copper. So that's what we're looking for. Uh, that's what we hope to find. And uh, hopefully we, uh, we find that this year. Um, I know, obviously, you're looking to uh, obviously raising capital at the moment. Um, how much are you sort of after and what, what are you going to use that capital for? Yeah, probably need to take a back step again because we were actually looking at listing CCR, just to explain. Uh, we were looking at listing CCR on the ASX uh, earlier this year. Uh, we started that process in late 2022 when the ASX was the only exchange that had any life in it. Uh, from the traditional exploration and mining exchanges. Um, there was quite a few listings. Money was being raised. Copper was certainly a popular commodity um, on the ASX. As we advanced that process uh, in early 2023, market conditions just deteriorated rapidly um, to, to quite a degree. You know, we had those bank failures as well. That was probably the, the death knell into the uh, exploration uh, funding uh, for the ASX. So we actually pulled the plug on that listing process uh, in April, May this year. Um, we were scheduled to list in June. We pulled the plug, uh, decided it wasn't the right time uh, to be in the listed market space, given market conditions were so poor. The reason I mention this is we actually got all of our projects in a position where we would have a new discovery on either KA or Lunga, uh, finishing a feasibility study uh, on our flagship project and a new discovery of high-grade lead and vanadium out at Senge. The reason why everything's happening out of the next fundraising is we wanted good news flow post listing. We felt we'd get better value out of the market than negotiating with our brokers prior. 
um, you know, on a, on 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 pre-raising market cap. So everything's sort of ready to go. Um, we're looking at raising um, while staying private now. Uh, it's a significant raising for a private exploration company. We're looking at up to $23 million, uh, at basically a pre-money value of $50 million. And that'll give incoming shareholders a significant interest in the company of around 34 35%. Uh, we're happy to cop that dilution at the moment because with the work programs we've got planned, we expect to have a significant uplift in value over the next 12 months uh, post-raising that cap. So uh, that's what we're after at the moment. I've been working pretty hard on that over the last six to 12 months. Uh, six months in particular, once we pulled the listing process, it's been a little bit frustrating, Rob, to say the least, because uh, most investors are taking a wait-and-see approach. Um, nobody knows where... Um, you know, the, the, the global economy is going to go. A lot of people are expecting a recession. Um, and of course, if you have a recession, a recession, you'd like to buy in at the bottom of the market. So a lot of people are holding on to their capital. They're not investing in exploration uh, or development at the moment. Uh, so to be honest, 2023 was a horrible year for raising capital in the exploration uh, scene. Uh, probably the worst year I've seen in, in 25 years, um, unfortunately. So um, we hope to have much better 2024. We've got significant interest in our raising process, so and we hope to finalise something in the next couple of months. Yeah, obviously, um, I've had quite a few obviously junior miners on the podcast, and uh, and most of them are obviously struggling to raise <coughs> raise finance for their for their projects. How do you see the market in 2024? Do you see conditions improving? Um, Obviously, for for people to to raise raise capital for exploration or development projects, how do you see it? Obviously, mentioned twenty twenty three was a bad year and probably the worst that you've seen in twenty five years. Are we at the bottom? Do you see things picking up in twenty twenty four and beyond? Look, I'd like to think it's got to improve. Um, you know, but there's a bit of a disconnect at the moment. I'm I mean I'm in copper. You know, every everybody's a a bull. There's no bears. Uh, everybody's talking about the future of copper and the green revolution and the transition. Um, you know, th there's quite a few analysts that are, you know, expecting a 15,000 a tonne copper price, uh, you know, in 12 to 18 months time. I pop that into my PFS and th the results are amazing. Um, you know, so, you know, you're sitting there with a pre-money value of 50 million and you think it you know, must be easy to raise capital, surely. Um, so I look, the market's got to improve. Um, I think it will improve. I mean, there's always geopolitical headwinds. You know, you, you, you've seen what happened, uh, you know, more recently with Israel, the Ukraine war as well. These things don't help. It leads to uncertainty for investors. Um, you know, so we, we hope to have a bit of stability in 2024. Um, who knows? Maybe the Chinese will stimulate their economy a little bit. That would certainly help all of us in the mineral and exploration game. Uh, and, and that should relate to high metal prices. And um, the been a lot of rhetoric. There's been a lot of talk about, you know, all of these transition and battery metals, um, you know, and, and that rhetoric has not been, uh, you know, coalescing into investment in, in exploration. And, and that's where you're going to get those projects into the future. I'm, I'm seeing a slight difference. Um, you know, I, I think things are changing a little bit. I think people are more interested in investing now. Uh, and I think, you know, you, you, you can't hold on to your money forever. You know, people... People have to have to invest their capital, and and I think that'll start happening in two thousand and twenty four. And I think good projects will be funded. Um, so yeah, we're looking for a better year. We've got good projects, so um, you know our desire is to have them funded so that we can add value for our shareholders. But I'm expecting an, an improved market uh, throughout two thousand and twenty four. My fingers are crossed. 
Yeah, so and I think, and I think everyone else in the industry and everyone listening to this as well. Um, and it's and as we were speaking off here, it, it's probably about time things will start to change. Now, how quickly that is, who who knows? Um, but obviously, we we will see as the year progresses. Um, yeah. You're going to be you're going to be in Cape Town at the one to one and mining in Darba uh, conferences. Um, at, at the time this recording is going to be next week. Um, good time. How, yeah, good time. How do you? How would you see the settlement uh, settlement of of Cape Town? Um, obviously, there's probably seven, eight, nine, ten thousand people going to be in in Cape Town, all all looking maybe maybe looking for money, looking for projects, etc. How how do you uh, how do you feel these conferences are going to go? And obviously, if you look at one of the most recent big conferences uh, out in Saudi Arabia, there was a lot of uh, commitment from from the governments with there. And I'm thinking if if the same sort of um, news flow will go out from the couple of the big conferences coming up, then it may look like the industry is slowly picking itself off the bottom. How, uh, how what what are your thoughts about how how Cape, Cape Town's going to go? Well, Cape Town's always fantastic, Rob. Um, and 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 you forgot another thing. People are looking for warm weather because all you poor guys up in the northern hemisphere <laughs> are freezing at the moment, and you can't beat Cape Town, can you? No. Um, I love the city. I actually lived in Cape Town, you know, for six years from 2016 to 22. I actually moved back to Perth last year. So, and and look, the the mining in Darwin is is in my mind, the best mining com- conference on earth. Um, and if you want to invest in Africa, there's no better place to be. There's always a lot of activity. The one-to-one conference, I think my agenda, 24 meetings filled up in 24 hours. And then you've got to try and push the rest over uh, throughout mining in Darba. So there's certainly a lot of interest. I think everybody heads to Cape Town at the beginning of the year um, with a bit of a spring in their step, uh, hoping this year is going to be the turnaround year. Um, you know, we'd hope it would be, but... Um, look, there's always a lot of deals that are done in Indaba. You know, there's, you know, you know, investments. I think will be announced. Um, you've, you've got a few large investors that are looking for projects at the moment. And as you pointed out, with governments, there's governments like Saudi Arabia and other governments as well through their sovereign wealth funds that have announced that they're looking for critical minerals. Um, you know, and no doubt they're all sending teams down to Cape Town, um, and they're on the hunt for investment, and they've got the money to invest. So. Um, I think some deals will be announced. Uh, I think that goes without saying. Um, and I think it will give a bit of impetus, uh, you know, to the industry moving forward throughout the year. So uh, I'm hoping for a, for a very busy, intense uh, one-to-one and mining in Darba uh, and finalising my own investment as well. But, uh, you know, I wish the, the, the best to all of the other companies that are there to to raise capital as well. Uh, and, and I hope that, you know, the year's going to be a better one than last year. I mean, some of those junior mining companies, I I was at iMark last year. I was at Mines and Money as well. And I always do the rounds, um, you know, have a look at at the other companies for potential investment, both for AMED funds and, you know, as competitors to CCR as well. And there's some good projects out there. There's some good projects in the Leicester market space with, you know, their penny stocks now. Uh, it's it's a very difficult environment and yet they, they can't raise funding. So, you know, I hope that turns around for those companies and they get the reward they deserve uh, by funding and advancing their projects. And let's hope it all starts in Cape Town. Uh, yeah, you know, over the next certainly. couple of weeks. Yeah, indeed. Um, I just wonder if you can uh, sort of summarise the value proposition of uh, Central Copper Resources for for potential investors. 
Yeah, I think Central Copper Resources value that we're pitching at the moment, a pre-money value of 50 million, is underpinned by the existing high-grade uh, copper deposit we've got it in Bumba Calenda. I mean, there's 500,000 tonnes of contained copper at an average grade of 3.12%. So that underpins the value for any prospective investor. But then, you know, to add to that, we've got a, a very exciting exploration um, pipeline of projects that can follow up through the development curve. So value underpinned by an asset already. And then you've got that upside potential of the west of the Western Congolian Belt, the Sengo project with high-grade lead and vanadium, the KA project, which is, you know, epitomises uh, blue sky potential, and then, of course, Lunga as well, where we could have a near-surface oxide resource. So it's a really good mix of projects. It took us some time to put those together, um, you know, and form CCR. Um, so, you know, our, our value proposition should improve dramatically post-raising this capital and the work programs that we've got planned over the next 12 to 18 months. So uh, good space to be, obviously, copper. As I said before, everybody's a bull and there's no bears. So it's the right place. And if the you know, if the, if the price works for us as well as we're developing those projects, well, we should get a very good return for both our existing shareholders and, and incoming investors in our next funding round. And lastly, what's the outlook for the next sort of six to uh, sort of six to twelve months for the remainder of this year? Yeah, we want to finalise the, the the funding that we've uh, we're endeavouring to raise at the moment. Uh, we've done all of the preliminary work. We've planned our work programs. Uh, we've done the preliminary planning uh, at our work sites. Got a quotes in. We're ready to roll, so we raise the money. Uh, we implement the drilling program. So particularly busy time during the dry season in the DRC where we'll be drilling on all three projects. Um, but the money we're raising at the moment will be predominantly put into the ground and looking at advancing our projects and either having first discovery or finishing our feasibility study to fast-track production on the flagship project. So very exciting year for us post-raising the money. Um, and, and people will hear a lot about us uh, moving forward as we develop our projects. Certainly. Luke, really appreciate your time. Thank you for giving us an update on Central, uh, Central Resources, um, Central Copper Resources, sorry. Um, really appreciate your time. Perhaps you can come on next year and give us, a, give us an update on, uh, on the three projects. We would love to. Should, be, should yeah. be a very exciting day come next year, mate. That'd be great. Yeah, certainly. And anyone listening, that is obviously going to be in Cape Town. Obviously, reach out to Luke. Uh, if you want to, if he's got any time in his diary left to have a meeting, uh, obviously reach out to him. And uh, and Luke, what what? How can people follow uh, Central Copper Resources? Um, and what sort of social media uh, platform channels are you on? Yeah, I must admit, I'm a bit of a yeah, a bit of a dinosaur when it comes to social media. Um, we do have a LinkedIn page. We've got Twitter. And uh, we've got our website as well, all of which will be getting updated post-mining in Darbus. So they, they can follow us along there. But people are welcome to email me directly as well. I've got no issue with that. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm generally always available. So they can reach out to me directly as well uh, via my yeah. email address. Yeah, no worries. We'll yeah. include that in the show notes that come in this so, uh, uh, for easy access so people can reach out to you as well. So um, sure. all the best for, for 2024. Hope you have a good uh, good in Darbus and one-to-one. Um, and all the best for, for the remainder of the year. Excellent. Thanks a lot, Robin. Thanks again for having me. It was a pleasure. No, appreciate your time as well. Thank you, audience, for listening. Hope you enjoyed that episode. As always, please keep sharing these episodes far and wide. Um, we have obviously people within, share this up with people in our industry, but also people outside of the industry. So anyone in Africa listening to this, please just share this far and wide. Um, we want to obviously make people aware of the mining industry not just for people educating the people within our mining industry but people outside of our mining industry that's the only way that we're gonna um 
I suppose make more and more people understand what mining's all about by sharing these episodes to uh, to outside of our, uh, others outside of our industry. So really appreciate your continued support. And until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.